protects its light. Her last thought, as the beast knocked her unconscious, was that nothing would ever be the same again. The Whittaku had risen. Doctor Who, The Price of Paradise, by Colin Brake, read by Sean Dingwall. In the darkness of deep space, in an absolute vacuum, very little ever happens. In this particular part of space, nothing much had moved for thousands of years. Until now. Without any warning, space and time burped, warped and wibbled. And, where a moment ago there had been nothing, a spaceship appeared. The SS Humphrey Bogart had started life as a rich man's toy, a sleek speedster for nipping around the owner's home system between the numerous houses he had on different planets. Unfortunately, the man's fortune had not been entirely the result of honest endeavour, and when the authorities finally caught up with him, the spaceship had been one of the first of his assets to be repossessed. The tax authorities had used it for a while, but then it had been commandeered and pressed into military service in a nasty and protracted space war. Finally, many years later, and almost a wreck, it had come into the possession of its present owner. Professor Petra Shulu, the academic and explorer, had decided that it would be the perfect vehicle for her explorations. In truth, the only perfect thing about it was the price. Designed originally for a crew of 30, the manuals claimed that it could fly with a bare minimum manning level of 12. The professor wasn't keen on technicalities like safe manning levels. Her crew numbered just four. Her captain, Major Kendall, and three youngsters, two fresh out of the Space Naval Academy and one bored rich kid. In space, as the old saying has it, no one can hear you yawn, thought trainee pilot John Hespel as he sat watching the readouts on his screen cycle through yet another automated sequence. Once again, the ship's AI ran the standard scans, testing the results against the incomplete data Professor Shulu had provided. A flashing green light from his screen caught his eye. Something new at last! The scans had made a match. He spun around in his seat and cleared his throat to attract Professor Shulu's attention. You have something? she demanded but he didn't need to answer as she had already started to take in the information on his display. If Hespel had expected a smile, he was to be disappointed. There was barely a shift in the tone of her voice, perhaps just the slightest hint of excitement. Plot a new course, Mr Hespel. If this scan is right, we're about to finally reach the Paradise Planet. Brother Rez and Sister Kalen knelt quietly in front of the table of gifts. The big stone altar was the centrepiece of the main chamber of the ancient temple. 
In front of them, the shaman himself was walking back and forth, muttering a ritual chant and scattering gin and powder on the floor. Kaylin glanced sideways at Rez, catching his eye. She had to bite her lip to stop herself from bursting out laughing, despite the seriousness of the situation. Rez narrowed his eyes, urging her to get a grip. Kaylin looked at him and smiled. How he had changed since she had found him all those years ago. She had been only a child herself, but she could remember the day they met as clearly as if it were yesterday. It had been the sound that she had heard first, a sharp, cracking retort like a massive tree being split by a giant's axe, then a rumble like her father's snoring, but much, much louder. Kaylin looked up and was shocked to see a plume of black smoke stretching across the sky. Something was falling. She followed the smoke with her eyes and saw a dark object at the front of the plume. As she watched, it plummeted into the forest with a final scream of sound. Kaylin decided to investigate. Something had torn through the forest, uprooting trees and scorching vegetation, leaving an ugly scar. Eventually, it had torn a groove into the ground itself, a deepening channel that was still smoking as Kaylin gingerly followed it. Finally, she reached the object itself. It was a metal egg, blackened and burnt after the rapid descent. Kaylin had never seen anything like it before in all her six years. Despite her fears, she crept closer. She was trying to remember the stories that Brother Hugan was always telling the children, about the old days when Laylora's guardians would stalk the land. Was it possible that the Whittaku were born from metal eggs like the one in front of her? Brother Hugan said that the Whittaku would return if they were needed, but the Whittaku only attacked to protect Laylora, didn't they? Caelan was sure she had done nothing to upset her planet. Hardly daring to breathe, Caelan reached the object. It was steaming hot. The air above it rippled in an intense heat haze. Suddenly, there was a hiss of escaping air and a hatch began to open. She looked inside. Caelan could hardly believe her eyes. This was no monster from myth and legend. Small and helpless, with chubby little arms and chubby little legs, it was a baby. That had been fifteen years ago. Now that baby was glaring at her and asking her to take the shaman's ritual seriously. Rez had grown into a handsome young man, fit and tanned and taller than most of the Laylorans he lived among. Despite the age gap between them, Kaylin and her stepbrother were very close. It was because of Rez that she found herself here today, in the ancient temple, trying not to laugh at the shaman. It seemed to Kaylin that the years had not been kind to poor Brother Hugan. When she was a child, she had been terrified of the shaman and everything he stood for, but now all that had changed. He cut a rather sad and pathetic figure, dressed up in his bright robes and his myelin feather headdress. Underneath the carnival costume, Brother Hugan was just another old Laylorin, who had a sad obsession with the way things used to be. Ironically, it was Rez, the outsider, who had most time for Brother Hugan and his stories of the old ways. 
Perhaps it was because, as he grew older, he became more aware of the things that set him apart from the others and sought a way to integrate himself more closely with the tribe. So when other young Lay Lawrence poked fun at the shaman and ignored his stories, Brother Rez took it all in. And where Brother Rez went, Sister Kalen went too. When Sorrenta, Purin and Arak disappeared, Brother Hugan had announced that they would need to make an offering to Laylora at the ancient temple. Rez had immediately volunteered himself and his stepsister to assist in the ritual. Sister Kalen, will you assist me with the ginnera? Kalen nodded and crossed to the fire that was burning in a grate in the corner of the room. A kettle of liquid was bubbling away, suspended from a frame. Kalen carefully removed the kettle and poured the thick brown liquid into three ancient carved wooden cups. After they had placed their cups on the altar, the shaman raised his arms high in the air. Oh, mighty Lelora, the provider of all, we, your humble servants, ask for your kindness. There was something wrong. The surface of the liquid was vibrating. No, not just the liquid. The cups themselves were shaking and moving. Suddenly, Kaelin found herself staggering as the earth beneath her feet moved. Now the whole temple was shaking. What is it? Rez asked his stepsister, but it was the shaman who answered him. It's Lelora. She's angry with us. Then, as suddenly as it had started, it was all over. The ground beneath their feet felt solid again. I don't understand, Kalen complained. Why is Leilora angry? Brother Hugan shook his head.